This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing it and miss, strike three, it's over! have won the world championship welcome to benny and the bets podcast can you believe it here's your host terry cushman good evening everyone and welcome to another edition of the benny and the bets podcast covering boston red sox baseball for everyone staying up late tonight on periscope the podcast as always could be found on apple podcasts spotify stitcher soundcloud Google Podcasts, and right above your video window is the Apple Podcast link, so you can click that directly from there, and that will take you to all of our episodes, which are available. I am Terry Cushman, and I'm joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and Charlie Smith. How are you guys? I'm looking forward to football and basketball and hockey season. How about you, Terry? Uh, I'm not looking forward to those, but uh, it's uh, starting to the baseball season starting to take on a different uh, life, as I will say. And, um, you know, being a baseball fan in general, I mean, uh, you know, there's still plenty of excitement elsewhere, but. Uh, yeah, Red Sox, uh, got swept two games to nothing as Jeremy was talking about as we wrapped the most recent episode and really weird series in London. Uh, what, what are you guys' thoughts on it? Not just from like the actual games, but you know, the unique factors in which were taking place during the games the presentation of it and the overall spectacle, you know, what did you guys think of it? Bat lead off, Charlie, go ahead. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, you know, it was nice to, you know, see a football game in the month of June. That was kind of cute. Both teams scored a touchdown the first, but missed the extra point. And then both teams later on scored another touchdown. What? fourth or fifth for the Yankees and the seventh inning for the Red Sox. Six run. I don't remember the last time I saw six runs scored by both teams in one inning, let alone twice in one game each. I mean, it was just like slugfest, which is what I predicted both games. I just thought it was going to be one went one way, one went the other. Having to work with people that are supporting the, the fools and stripes is tough, but I mean, you know... I, they brought in. They brought up this guy who I don't even know. Came and spell his last name, Shawardashmarga, whatever. Shawarn, whatever. It, it was just. It was brutal. It was brutal. Just that was tragic. So my thoughts are this: I have zero use for this whole 
thing, the pomp and circumstance, the bullshit, the, the marketing to England. I understand that management for both programs wants to broaden their revenue base, and I don't hate that like on a business level, but as a fan, I just I could give zero fucks. Zero fucks. Um, the Red Sox giving up two home games um, voluntarily, basically, by all accounts. They, they wanted this. Um, I have no use for it. I don't care if people in England like baseball. We have some good listeners over there. I know they already do watch the game. Uh, we interact with many of them. Um, so I, I don't know that this needed to happen. Um, and and as a, for the baseball side of it, which is the only part I care about, it, it it was a monumental fucking failure. Now, obviously, when they agreed to it, they didn't understand. They didn't have the hindsight of how woefully tragic this season has been. But now that it's happened, I mean, and this was the most predictable result of all time. One team has dealt with adversity. The other team, and overcome it every step of the way. Another team has dealt with no adversity and has underwhelmed every step of the way. How do you think this series was going to go? I mean, I called it like 100%. So credit to me. But, you know, I mean, the, the whole the whole process itself, I just have no fucking use for it. I hate the pop and circumstance. And again, and I know Terry loves when I use cross-sport references, but the Red Sox need to be more like the Patriots. They just do. Enough with the bullshit and the truck day and the fucking London series and all this happy horse shit. Just be about winning games. The, 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 your real fans that show up every day that spend money for tickets, and those are the people that you should be appealing to, and they're not doing it, and they're underwhelming, and they suck, and I'm just done with it. I'm, I'm, I'm as frustrated with this team as I've been in a long time. And there, and there were some last-place finishes in there, which I saw coming, so they just didn't bother me as much. I did, you know, I expected a slow start. I did not expect to be 44 and 40 in 10 game, or 11 games back. On July 1st. This is just fucking monumental failure. And London is the, the, the nice little cherry on top of the uh, of the shit storm that we're dealing with. Terry, how you doing, bud? <laughs> Too shabby. <laughs> I didn't care for the way the the stadium was set up. I guess it's, uh, you know, been used for other events and stuff. And the foul territory was just unreal. You know, the amount of ground you could go. It seemed like it was so big. Players just didn't have a prayer of getting to certain areas of it. I even saw some catchers up at the backstop not really go to chase it because their normal instincts were like, oh, that's that's way out of play. And at some points it wasn't, but they still were not going to get to those balls. And, you know, the you know, there wasn't quite as many home runs as I thought there would be. The Red Sox had a few in the first inning today, but... I just, I just didn't, I didn't care for it. And from a pitching standpoint, both teams were theorizing that because of the aerodynamics of how the the stadium was built, breaking balls weren't effective. And I, I didn't read, you know, as much into that. I'm not a physicist, but it, it was a problem. Rick Porcello lasted only one third of an inning, something around 40 pitches. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka only lasted two thirds of an inning, and neither one of them, you know, were very effective. And I just to have a, a seventeen to thirteen game, and to say that this is Major League Baseball and introduce it to Europe that way 
what the hell are they going to do six or seven years from now when it's it's the Tigers versus the Orioles or the Marlins versus the Giants or something stupid like that? And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a true representation of Major League Baseball, and I didn't like it either. Well, this is awkward. Terry and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. I was super excited for it to go to England just because I remember the first time I've had friends come to the United States asking me, oh, man, you know, like, oh, baseball, is it worth it? it seems kind of boring. You don't freaking know when the game's going to be over. And I was like, no, I mean, games usually last three, three and a half hours. But this game was, what, three minutes shy of being the longest nine-inning game of all time. And it's supposed to be between – two of the best teams and granted the Red Sox are not doing great at all this year. It's not even close. Like they're just super, super underperforming. Um, but I mean, I, I completely expected it to be a slugfest. I think if people saw pitchers duels, that might've been boring. You know, these people are used to cricket and sports involving balls going all sorts of places. They're used to football, not the football we have real football. Ours is national football, American football. But um, I, I think it was Good, for the lack of a better term, for them to see, you know, like what happens when there's a lot of action in the game. Because imagine what would you have seen, you know, what would the expressions have been if, you know, fans in the park had seen, you know, like a Max Scherzer strike out 17 guys where no one gets on base. Or, you know, Justin Verlander from way back in the day, something like that, where he allows maybe one or two guys to get on base. I think that this was kind of cool. It was like their own version of like home run derby, because let's be honest, pro players that haven't been relevant for a little while um, really showed up. And then players that should have gotten the job done just didn't. Porcello and Tanaka lasted a combined inning total, one inning, and they give up 12 earned runs. I don't even think they registered a strikeout. I mean, it was that bad. The counter to that is, you're not going to generate lifelong fans by showing them a product that's not commensurate with the actual real product over here in the United States. You, What you True. do is you show them the product, and then they tune in, and then they go, this is something I want to watch in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. But that's not what's going to happen. They're going to watch a game. They're going to watch the Red Sox Toronto on Tuesday and be like, what the fuck is this 4-3 to three game all about? So it True. just it's not it's not – and I don't know what happened. I really don't. I mean, obviously the pitching wasn't great, so that's a certain part of it. The center field was very short and not a, a typical dimension of a Major League Baseball park. You know, maybe the ball traveled well over there. Maybe they, they wound the fucking baseball a little tighter so it jumped a little more. I don't know. But you, you're, they didn't do anything, in my opinion, to gain like lifelong diehard fans where they're going to create a large amount of revenue. I mean, they're just not. The people that enjoyed that are going <laughs> to are going to tune in in the weeks to come and be like, yeah, nope. London, that London series was great, but that's, this isn't, you know, that's the, this four to three game is not what I signed up for. So I have no use for it. And by, by the way, I don't care. There's enough problems stateside. Like we, Terry and I have talked about it, Charlie, a number of times, like pace of play, appealing to younger viewers. Um, and I can go on and on and on, but they've got enough problems over here. Like take care of, Growing the game in the United States and the issues that we're facing with young people not watching our sport and leave England for a different time when we can figure out our, our, our you know, domestic issues. So that's just where I'm at with the thing. I have no, I have no fucking use for it. I hate it. Um, 
And then obviously the re- results suck, so I handle it like a child, which when I admit it, you know, credit to me for admitting that. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm ready to move on to literally real baseball and anything else. Like get back on your $500,000 flight and come back to the United States and figure some sh- shit out. And, and we're, I think we're going to talk about Dombrowski, who's just, just a sack of shit. Uh, in a second, but uh, anyways, Terry, Actually, any final th- thoughts? You did make a very good point there, though, that we do have enough problems over here, and, you know, in the week or so leading up to this series, you had the whole Tampa Bay-Montreal splitting the games, and then you just have, you know, other teams that are not filling their stadiums, you know, the White Sox, the Indians aren't even doing it, and they're, you know, contending for a wild card, and Jeremy and I talked earlier, and I said, you know, because we have a bet on it, we have a $100 bet on it, and you know, I, I'm not going to count the Indians out yet. I, I think there's, you know, an 85% chance the Twins probably win it. But but that's still a division, you know, that, that you know, you can't really count them out yet. And, and getting back to the point, you know, Cleveland, they're about to have the All-Star game, actually. And their attendance is terrible. And, and there are other teams across the league that, that have that problem. So... You know, we need to figure that out. And if you want to introduce, you know, baseball to Europe, find a way to promote the playoffs over there. Find a way to get them locked in on that because it's at least going to be high level teams that have been playing, you know, very well, you know, leading up to the playoffs. And the pitching matchups are all going to be really good. And I just think, you know, you know, for coming up with that literally on the fly, I just think that's probably the best way to introduce it to them, you know, versus what we saw this weekend, which was fake baseball on a, on a multitude of levels. I have two points. First, Terry, when you compliment, compliment my take, you don't have to say Jeremy actually had a good point. That's one. I mean, qualifying my good point, it's like it's like, oh, hey, everyone here, look at look at my shock and surprise. Uh, But on a serious note, we are literally losing a major league franchise for half the season, or potentially losing a major league franchise for half the season to Canada. So that if that doesn't highlight what we need to focus on in the United States as far as growing our game, and as like for example with the Devil Rays in a state that has more baseball played in it than than any other state probably in the United States it's a it's a problem the fact that i mean it's just a problem i mean the the devil rays are contemplating going to spend half their season in montreal and we're over in fucking england screwing around makes no sense i'm sorry it just doesn't and you can't convince me otherwise and if you want to say well jeremy your butt hurt cuz the Sox just got rolled then fine but i don't think that has anything to do with my take so here's here's another thing too that I, I I don't mean to overstep you. I'm sorry. You're good. Go ahead. Uh, okay, cool. So I was just thinking about this. Um, you know, Tampa Bay, they're struggling to to fill you know seats, and then they're talking about oh yep yeah, you know maybe we'll go back to Canada. It's like okay cool. We're struggling to fill seats in a stadium in a city because we don't have enough fans, but we're gonna go and spend half the season in a place where we couldn't fill seats in the first place, which makes no damn sense. So I think going to England was kind of a fact-finding mission just to see, huh, 
I wonder what would happen if maybe we had a team here. They filled 60,000 seats. That's more than Miami did in April, it feels like. So I almost feel like, wouldn't it be interesting if they scrapped Canada, they scrapped, you know, Miami, and had a team in London? Well, it's, it's crazy, it's far-fetched, but could it happen? It has been talked about, and maybe they were trying to gauge that. I have read a couple of different articles, and an exact figure was not given, but apparently the majority of the crowd was American. So, you know, I just, I don't know how viable, okay. you know, it, it would be, and... You know, I think, you know, eyes are going to be on the Red Sox and the Yankees in the coming, you know, next few days to see how they recover and, you know, from a trip like that, you know, because that would would play a factor if they did move to London. They would want to see how teams responded, you know, once they got back from that trip. You know, you don't want it to be an automatic three losses because everybody's jet lagged or whatever. And, you know, so I, I don't know. There's, like I said, a multitude of things. And, Jeremy, I truly, sincerely thought you had a good point. means a lot, Terry. Thanks. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. I'm never going <laughs> to suck your dick like that again. Uh, all right. So, normally we would get into uh, Heroes and Zeros, but due to the weirdness of the series, the fact we got our ass kicked, I mean, I think the only qualifying hero might be Eduardo Rodriguez for going six innings, well, into the sixth inning, only giving up uh, two uh, earned runs in what seemed like (laughs) an almost complete impossibility to do so, regardless of, uh, you know, what your ability was. Um, So... From here, we're just going to talk about the state of the team and uh, the state of the race and uh, whether it's time to really consider the fact that, you know, we, we might need to be sellers here. And as we get into it here, I, I guess I'll start with Jeremy, knowing where, where everybody kind of stands, but to me... Making some moves here, bolstering the farm, maybe getting a couple of, you know, major league ready guys that are controllable for at least a few years. Doing that all right now and just kind of giving up this season is is better than getting into a wild card and either losing that game or losing the ALDS after that and then not having the surplus you would have got from those trades and setting us back at least one, two, maybe even three years after by not making these moves right now, knowing damn well we're not going into the postseason anyway. So that's kind of where I am. Jeremy, go ahead. So I don't know that I'm that, you know, behind your plan. I I don't think... Let me see how I want to put this. Uh, If you can get into a wild card, I'm in. Because you're built with the top end um, pitching to to be competitive, obviously, in the postseason, as we saw last year. Um, And then you obviously have established overcoming a a bad bullpen by using the the identified rover spot. So 
if you can get in and take your best shot, like I don't think you're going to win a World Series, but you know, crazier things have happened, especially if you're trending the right way. But here's the thing. If you think that's going to happen at this point, you're just out of your fucking mind. The, the, the bullpen is so pathetically bad. So, and it's not even like it's talent that's underwhelming. There's just not a lot of talent out there. There's just not. There's just not plus arms. Not There's not elite strike throwers. There's not people with even a single pitch that's elite. They just suck. And they can't get people out. And so, I, I you know, look, if if you were to tell me right now that you could trade Mookie Betts, who's not going to re-sign with the Boston Red Sox, it's not going to happen, and you could get a average big league-ready player, two or three draft picks, and a, and a bullpen arm, I'd do it. And I think that would actually potentially make you better this year. Especially if you maybe trade in one of the the prospects for a second arm, you you could potentially cure a lot of the bullpen issues, put, put somebody in right that makes sense. Um, you know, if Moreland could come back, it could be as simple as moving Benintendi to right, you know, put Chavis in left, who's shown a willingness to play anywhere, put Moreland back at first, and then you fix all you fix the pitching needs with, and then also you reload the minor leagues with a, a couple of, of decent prospects. And, and you may be better this year as a result. I mean, Mookie hasn't been what everyone want, wants Mookie to be. And so, yeah, if, if someone came to me with a sweetheart deal for Mookie Betts, I'd do it. 100%. 100%. Um, now, with that said, I'm not, like, in sell-off mode 100 you know, like, just abandon the season. I'm not. Because as long as you're in the wild card spot, I think you owe it to your fan base. The way this fan base pays to go to games, pays for Nesson, pays for the merchandise. I think you owe it to give it a best shot. Um, assuming it doesn't hurt you moving forward, a la you know the Nationals moving forward with Harper and then not getting anything. So as long as you're not going to do that for a walkaway player, you know I do think you owe it to the fan base to give it a best shot, especially because as talented as we are, you know it's not going to happen. But as talented as we are, there are there is a small percentage chance that they find they somehow they you know find a way to start stringing some games together. It's just it's not going to happen. Not the way the team's currently built. They have the the bullpen isn't a move or two. It's like it's like getting rid of everyone not named Brazier, Barnes, and and you know and just everyone else has to be different. I mean that's that's what it is. So um, you know I, I I do think we should sell should sell Mookie when he has the most value when when he has a year and three months left. Um, he's going to be worth more now than he will be a year from now. He's going to be worth more now than he will be in the offseason. So trade high. He's not going to be here. Come on, Boston. We know this. Dombrowski, you piece of shit. We, you know he's not going to be here. Before uh, we, we get to Charlie, I just want to reiterate a point I made from the last episode. In 2017, we won the division and did not have to sweat out that one-game wild card. In fact, we've never had to play that one-game wild card. But 2017, we win the division. We have to play the Astros. I knew we were going to lose. I knew we were going to lose. And we did, three games to one. And I, I think that was my exact uh, prediction. And, I mean, there were beat writers coming on my local radio show saying as much. And, you know, that was just the overall vibe. And the Red Sox were competitive. I mean, they came pretty close to forcing a game five. But, 
we were the furthest thing from, you know, the best team in the playoffs. And I just, I don't, I don't care to see that ending. I mean, if, if we can bolster this team so that we're going to be a bona fide World Series contender, you know, come opening day in 2020, I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. I, I'd give it away, and I know that's a tough sell, and I, I don't know if the Red Sox front office, even if they took that approach, could could outwardly tell the fan base that. But I would still so do it. We're going to be a bona fide world somebody's, series. Uh, got, somebody's Charlie got dropped, and he's back, and he I think he's listening to you on Twitter, so you're getting a little feedback. Okay. Just give him a second, and then you're good. I'm in. I'm in. All Thank right. you. Sorry about that. So that's that's where I'm at. I would rather I would rather go into opening day next year knowing that we're a contender, you know, for a, a title. We'll we'll content. We'll go into opening day thinking we can contend for at least the division, but. Uh, you know, I'd rather set my sights bigger and, you know, just just take care of it now. Because if we don't sell now, we're going to go into next opening day with, you know, with the idea that we might do these things. And, you know, not necessarily, that might not necessarily be the case. So those are my thoughts. Jeremy, do you want to weigh in one more time and then we'll get to Charlie? I mean, I, I don't disagree with you because I don't think they're going to contend. But I, it's a factor that you have to consider that they're not going to want to sell this team this early. They're just not like and they they and it, you know I don't think you Terry and I and Charlie are, are you know maybe the majority of baseball Boston Red Sox fans, but the because I, I think the majority of Boston Red Sox fans would be absolutely devastated if Betts was traded for a haul. And let's say they moved Pierce to move a roster spot and just kind of, and then just dumped a bunch of people in the bullpen and kind of rehauled everything. Like, I think a lot of people would be devastated. And and I think they're, they're in tune with that. And obviously they're, they're focused a lot on the marketing. You know, we just saw them in London. So they're worried about it. Um, and so that, that's one of the factors why I just don't think it'll happen now. If they do decide to blow the thing up and they come back 2020 as a favorite, I I don't have a problem with that necessarily, especially with the way the season's going. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Charlie. So um, I agree with a lot of, of what's said, and this is not me holding on to both of your Ds. This is just me being honest. <laughs> um, I, I look at this team as – we would not be where we are. We, you know, every team unfortunately makes bad deals. I think the deals that were made, even pre Dave Dombrowski, because I vehemently disagree with a lot of the moves he's made, were not his fault. Signing Pablo Sandoval, I do not believe was his was his thing. Signing Hanley Ramirez, luckily that one's off the books. Um, Rusni Castillo also hurting. So I mean, we're we're looking at thirty million right there gone. We don't have a closer. You just we just witnessed yet another game where our bullpen, uh, as, as they call it on the radio, the blowpen, they just cannot get it done. And um, while I I don't think Mookie Betts is going to come back to Boston long term, I feel like if he was, he'd you know he's mentioned I'm just going to keep doing one year to year, just betting on himself, and that's you know no pun intended, but like him just doing his thing. The Red Sox have scored the 
fourth most amount of runs in baseball, which is insane. So it's not that the offense is not getting it done. They just did not bulk up on pitching before the regular season. And this was a this was something going into the regular season. The Red Sox are going to be going above the salary cap. They don't want to spend the money on a closer. Craig Kimbrell can't get the job done. How many games have we blown this year? I mean, honestly, I feel like if if you save back like four, call it four games, where we're what, seven games out, which is still not great. It's a little bit more respectable than 11 right before July 1st, which I agree with Shill. This sucks. 11 games out like this. I mean, trading Mookie Betts is going to hurt no matter what. But if you're going to trade him, you got to trade him now. And it's going to hurt just like it hurt when they got rid of John Lester. You know, I mean, sometimes you just got to make the you just got to make the move. And while I don't want to say that we're sellers because I really don't, um, I don't want it to be another Mo Vaughn situation. This one's going to hurt more than Mo Vaughn, where you just let Mo walk and you get nothing back. Well, all right. So tomorrow's July 1st. And, you know, Jeremy, you're kind of you're leaning towards seller, but you're not you know, you're not like sell Mookie tomorrow. Uh, and Charlie, you're you know you're kind of in a similar camp. Um, we got two series left before the All Star break. We have um, I don't know how many games each one is, but let's just say they're three games each. What if we only win one game in each series? Then then are we hardcore? We must sell. Like where's the line for you guys? I'm because I'm beyond it right now. I'm beyond it 100% right now. But where is it for you guys? I mean, to clarify, if someone came to me with Mookie Betts and said, here's a major league ready outfielder, that's obviously something less than Mookie Betts, three prospects and a bullpen arm, you know, and, you know, whatever, throw in a low level prospect just as like a numbers game, I would make the deal today. I don't, he's not going to be here. And he's underwhelming, so I, I just don't have a problem with it. Devers has emerged, Chavis, uh, you know, Benintendi's going to be here. Xander's been great. JD, I think, is the high, is the is a uh, more efficient, uh, you know, option to stay. So I'm all in on trading Mookie today. I would be fielding phone calls right now if I was the Boston Red Sox. Now, as far as just selling the whole, like selling Porcello, selling Moreland, selling Pierce, uh, selling JBJ, um, selling Vasquez. <laughs> no, stop. I, I know stop, you don't want stop. to, but I don't think they'd be like if the deal was right, it, it could happen. I, well, I but, said that last week. I mean, oh, Vasquez okay. isn't untouchable. If the deal right. was right, they would move him. But he's your best player in that spot, and it's not even, it's not even close. But. Yeah. Um, as far as just selling everybody off, you know, like Pierce, I, I could go with Pierce right away. Like Pierce for, for anything, gone. Moreland, gone, just because Chavis has emerged, and I don't think he's going to be in the long-term plans. Um, JBJ would be tricky um, because you, you, we don't have um, a true center fielder in the system right now. Um, but, I, I, you know, if they go out and they're – let's say 14 back and then five back in the wild card with two teams ahead of them. I, I, I don't, and you can drastically change the future. I, I would not be upset if they did become a sellers, hardcore sellers. Like you say, Terry. 
and uh, Charlie, where's your where's your line? You know, because we're eleven back, we could very well be fifteen back pretty quick. I, uh, I it's going to be hard for me to say sell. I mean, Mookie Betts is really the only one, and and would I sell him tomorrow? No. I mean, it would it would come probably to the deadline, even if it means sacrificing a potential sweet package, only because like the Red Sox have too much pride to throw in the towel. I myself realize, like, sure. I mean, could we could we do what the Oakland A's did and win like what twenty four games in a row back in what year was that? Like two thousand four, three, whatever it was. It was insane. Could we do that with like a, a team that really no one really thought could have? Sure. Will it happen? I really don't know, but I just, I can't throw in the towel yet. I just can't. Like, I know it's like, I'm already, you know, I'm knocked down. I'm, I'm, I've got a broken nose and I should be out, but I just, I will not tap. I will not do it. I can't do it yet. Well, here's the thing. The Red Sox have lost half the fan base in, in terms of being successful this year they they've lost about half the fan base there was a report earlier that dave dombrowski is surveying the uh you know the reliever market which looks to be fairly deep you know there's um you know shane green is a big name he's with the tigers i think he's 20 out of his last 21 for save opportunities uh, Will Smith with the Giants, Tony Watson, those are some names. There's there's six or eight viable options out there. And, you know, certainly other teams will be involved. But the problem, like I said, is he has lost half the fan base. And so I don't know how he can get them back necessarily. I, I don't know if we're going to start winning again because I think we need two relievers. We need at least two to get that bullpen shored up. Matt Barnes is just completely shot right now. Probably, ideally, you wouldn't even use him until after the All-Star break at this point. Marcus Walden is slipping. Um, you know, I, I we like what we've seen out of Josh Smith. But it's a very tired bullpen, and I just, I just don't see how he's gonna Dombrowski's gonna get back the the fans he's lost, as well as the team on the right track. And I'm just so I just don't. It's a complicated situation. He waited too long. I guess is what I'm getting at. Waited way too long. To, to start making these moves and to start accepting the fact that we just weren't good enough on that area of the team when many of us knew it last December. Chill, I don't know if you want me to go or not. But go I, I, go I'll for sit, it. Hit it. I'll, I'll, oh, man, it's, it's so hard. Like, when you... when If anybody thought that we would be 11 games out before July 1 in 2019 after the run that we had last year. I'd say you're smoking something crazy. I'd ask where you got it, and then I'd have that person arrested. Uh, there was just there was just no chance. So this has just been a complete fail um, in, in every capacity, and I'm just 
I mean, the team right now has to try to save face, but I mean, my God, blowing up this team right now, like that, that would shake things up. But I mean, I've been really, really against Dombrowski after moving Travis Shaw and all we got was a busted up Tyler Thornburg who's done nothing, uh, who had done nothing rather. I mean, he literally, you, you put him in just for like batting practice uh, for the other team. And now Sean of getting demoted, but I mean, they still had Travis Shaw for some time that he still did really, really well. It's just too much trading of prospects and not getting enough back in return. And he's he's just like, you know, Chainsaw Al, where he's just doing whatever the hell he wants to do. And unfortunately, the the risk is just potentially not worth the return. And yes, we did win a World Series, but at what cost? I mean, we have no farm system at all. And we don't. Yep. It's a problem. How do you improve? And the answer is trade bets for a haul. You know, the Yankees had that foresight. And, of course, they get lucky and got, you know, got Chapman back. So they got really fortunate. But, look, there comes a time where you got to take your best asset and use it to, to sprinkle the wealth across the balance of the roster. And it's time. He, and and by the way, I, this isn't this isn't like my opinion. Mookie's telling you to do this. Everything that we've heard is he wants top dollar. He wants to be the record setter. He wants to be the first, you know, whatever it is, four hundred and fifty, you know, whatever's the next number above what Trout got. So you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to to think that's going to change. He's been very consistent with that. He's stated it publicly. The Red Sox have come out in public and said, we want to sign him, hoping that it would create leverage with the player. It didn't. He literally ignored you. Go trade him to some shit program and and get back what is going to keep you relevant for the next five years. It's just a no-brainer to me. With Mookie Betts, I mean, we've brought him up a few times. He's our favorite trade target. He would command the biggest uh, return back. Are the Red Sox concerned with optics here? Because a lot of us see the writing on the wall. You know, they gave it their best shot last offseason. They tried to negotiate a deal. We don't know what those numbers are. I think it was probably north of $300 million. Um, and I could be wrong. I mean, I didn't think $70 million was going to be the offer for Lester. So I don't know what's really rational you know, in terms of the Red Sox front office, but assuming they did act rationally and the offer was north of three, he didn't come to the table. Trout blew everyone away with 430. Maybe Mookie wants to be in that neighborhood, and I, I think he probably does. Are they worried about the, the optics, I guess, of trading a generational player? For, you know, for the casual fans that I, buy ask, most of the tickets. Ask the Nationals that. <laughs> ask the Nationals that. They did the, They did what we're on the verge of doing, which is just continue to hope that he likes us and that he wants to be here. And then when he's not, we're standing there, you know, flapping in the wind. You know, it just it, – it, and, and imagine if the Nationals got 
you know, a pitcher, two prospects, and a bullpen arm for, for Harper, how farther along they could potentially be. It just, you know, I don't care what the optics are. I've already talked about that. I'm sure the optics are great. Oh, we're going to London. Oh, we're oh, we're just marketing the, the brand. And, oh, it's just wonderful, the optics, the optics. No, we're giving we're... our fans in London a chance. And, and, but it's, it's just, it, it, I don't care. I don't care what the optics are, that you're paid to make tough decisions. You're like, look, Theo Epstein had the balls to trade Nomar in 04. And we all know how it worked out, so it's easy to point to it and be like, okay, you know. But he still had that, the, the, the balls to do that. A lot of people wouldn't have done that. I would say 95% of GMs in the last 30 years would not have traded Nomar on that spot. Well, he didn't care. And he got assets back, and they and they filled the spot at short, and they won a World Series, and you know whatever. Now I'm not. That's not going to happen this year. But if you let what happened to Washington happen with Mookie, you 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 get nothing from the player besides the MVP in the World Series. When you you stand to be something more than that, just it, again to me, no brainer. It's a no brainer, and I don't care if you got to explain it to the fan base. You should be explaining to the fan base why we can't get people out after the sixth inning, because that's just, <laughs> yeah. just equally as tra- uh, uh, e- equally as pathetic. And by the way, if you could, if you could, if you could get people out in the sixth, then I wouldn't be so concerned about losing Mookie, or or trading him next July when his value is just going to be less because the team's only going to get three months out of him. So, you know, I, the, the question wasn't what, what we think, though. That's not how I presented the question. The question is, where do we think the Red Sox front office stands? What do they think? Vibrating in their pants. They're, they're shaking in their pants because they, they look, all they do is worry about what the, the fan base is going to do. I mean, obviously, the, the, you know, the, the and look, I and, and to, to some extent, I've been wrong. I. The Pierce move, re-signing Pierce was obviously like, what are we going to, you know, our World Series MVP, we got to take care of him. You know, and I agreed at the moment. I just, you know, I'm not, you know, it, it was the wrong decision. The guy's not, he's done. Um, and But I think they're, I mean, I think, Terry, I think the answer to your question is very simple. They're very worried about it. Yeah. They're they're in a no win situation because, like I said, they're not going to get back the people that have already given up on the season. And... They're going to piss off the more casual fans who don't understand the economics of it like we do by getting rid of Mookie. So I just, you know, I just want them to do the right thing. And the example I keep giving, and I'm sure I'll give it even more, in 2012 when we had a big fire sale under different circumstances, albeit, Nobody thought we were going to win the World Series the next year. And I think we could put ourselves in a position to do that. And, you know, people just need to trust the process here. And, you know, if the Red Sox sell Mookie, why can't they just come out and and give an exact timeline? Maybe it's kind of low-key slandering Mookie a little bit by doing that, but... The Red Sox can say we met with him a couple of times last season, a couple of times this season. These are his agents. These are the people who represent him. 
we threw out these exact numbers to give it our best chance and we couldn't do it and and we're just acting in the best interest of winning like why can't the red sox just take that strategy be honest with the fan base and and do what they have to do save face simply put to save face because trading away the you know what some people view as the face i mean i, I don't I don't really view Mookie Betts as the face of the team anymore. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he didn't buy into the Red Sox. You know, uh, Schill said it first, you know, like it does seem like a no-brainer to get rid of him. I, I, I agree. Um, but he's the only one that I'd get rid of. I, I can't get rid of, of, you know, Jackie Bradley right now because Bradley's playing out of his mind. I mean, granted, maybe that's more of a reason to do so. But, I mean, he he has mentioned it. He's... He just wants to keep doing year to year, which frustrates me because to me that tells me you're just in it for you. You're not in it for team, which I mean, in some aspect as a ball player, you got to be in it for yourself. You got to get paid. Um, is he better than Mike Trout? No. Does he think he's going to get paid more than Mike Trout? Possibly. But is it going to happen? I doubt it. And there's rumors that the Yankees are going to get in on it. I don't buy that for one second. But I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people are getting tired of Mookie because he's clearly not getting it done. Uh, this year has been the complete opposite of what he's done in the past. Um, so, you know what? Yeah, throw, throw him out there, you know, give him a week, give him a chance to sign a long-term deal. If he's not committed, Red Sox come out and say, you know, we've made multiple efforts, multiple offers. None have been accepted. Um, we're, we're listening to offers. What do you guys have to offer? And then try to figure out what what players we want, what players we need going forward because we've got Chris Sale for another couple of years. We've got, you know, Xander for a couple of years. Let's not throw, you know, completely throw everyone off the off the ship here. Um, I, I think that we have a chance to salvage most of this uh, situation here. Um, but it's it's going to begin with bets. You have no farm system because of Dombrowski. We need to get a farm system back. It's not happening right now. Uh, we cannot rely on maybe players and international players to get it done. We need to have some homegrown talent. Otherwise, it will not get done. Jeremy, any thoughts before I? Uh... No, I mean, look, I. Anyone that thinks we have assets down in the farm system is just, you know, and the, to the extent we do, we can't move them. So, exactly, I think I've said my piece. All right, um, another guy, you know, the Red Sox could potentially move is JD Martinez. Um, you know, for this to happen. Whatever team he goes to is probably going to want some sort of assurance from either Martinez himself or Scott Boris as to what their plans are, you know, after the season ends. Does he intend to opt out? Some teams might want that. Some teams might not want the remaining $62 million you know, on the books after the season, if it happens to be a small market team. So some teams might want that. There might be another team that says, no, no, we're, we would acquire him if, if we could keep him for the remaining three years. So I think that's going to be a complication as to whether or not he gets moved. I don't think the Red Sox would be opposed to moving him. The one aspect uh, I'll also mention right here is say the Red Sox got rid of Mookie, JD, 
Rick Porcello, and then Pablo Sandoval's money comes off the books after this season anyway. That's a savings of $83 million, okay? We're currently at 226 right now. The luxury tax threshold is 206, so we're 20 million over it. So that not only gets us way under it, you know, to start next year, as long as whatever moves we make in the offseason don't get us back above 206, that resets our draft penalties and we'll actually have a first round pick next year. This year it was 43rd overall. The Yankees had two picks before we made our first. The Rays had three. So that will be a priority for the Red Sox, if not this year, the following year. And, you know, so it's just one cog in why they could be motivated, uh, you know, to move some of these guys. So getting back to JD, you know, he's. He's got the complicated opt-out. He, he actually has an opt-out after this season, next season, and the one after that. So, or maybe, no, actually, it's just the next two, I think. But um, but that that's a, a complication for sure. And I like JD, much like Jeremy said. I think, you know, retaining him, you know, he even if we were to restructure his deal a little bit, it's still going to come out way more economical than Mookie Betts at $400 million. So I still value him the most because I think he gives, you know, the most production for the best overall value. And if he does opt out, if he is traded and makes it known to the team he's going to that, yes, I will opt out, the Red Sox could still sign him again, you know, anyway, you know, in November. So then you're you're at full in sell mode. You're you're not trying to retain anybody. You're you're willing to get rid of Martinez. You're willing to get rid of you're 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 in it then. You're you're in sell mode for yeah, sure. Yeah, well I'm glad you mentioned that. And since I gave so many of my own thoughts there, I will say that I do have untouchables. Uh, you know, I would not trade Devers under any circumstances. I would not trade Benintendi under any circumstances. I wouldn't trade Bogarts. I would definitely not uh, trade Michael Chavis. Bobby Dahlbeck has not made his major league debut yet, but I consider him to be untouchable. I might move CJ Chatham. Um, you know, he's got a lot of upside as like a contact hitter, someone who could potentially be a leadoff guy or a two hole guy. Um, but I, you know, I may move him. Um, I'm not sure about any of our pitching prospects. And I would not move any controllable starting pitcher. I wouldn't move Sale. As much as I hate Price, I probably wouldn't move him. Um, I would not move Eduardo Rodriguez. So, Well, he, he, here's the thing. I don't think anyone's going to say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll take David David Price's contract. So. We're stuck with that one, whether we want to or not. And let's be—I I think he's—he's he's doing a really good job of turning it around. We have a couple more years to kind of put up with it. I'm really curious to see how the last couple of years are going to see or, or turn out, rather. But I mean, Ben Intendi was actually someone that I—I would have considered trading because of his multiple years of eligibility left. You're going to get a handsome package for that too, because of team control. You think of what the Yankees did when they went out and. You know, 
traded uh, Chapman to Chicago before they got him back again. They got Gliber Torres back. Gliber Torres, who was regarded as one of the top, if not the best, prospect in the minors. And now Yankees fans are claiming, oh, he's homegrown. No, he's not. Chicago grew him, got him. He, tr- he got traded. You know, the, it, it's one of those things where if you trade Benintendi, in my mind, if you're trading bets, and, and, and that's really the, the route that I think it's going to happen, if you're trading bets, you're trading Benintendi, you're trading one of those players that's got eligibility, Devers, Bogarts are my only two no-nos. Um, Chavis, I think, can grow into someone special. Chatham, same thing. Uh, it's it's going to be those young guys. Benintendi's been in the league several years now. He's been in the league, I think, what, four years? This is year four for him. Um, this is time to tell, you know? This is this is it. If, if it's not going to be this year with bets, trade away bets, trade away Benintendi, and let's see what we can get for, for the return there. Well, I'm, I'm willing to go with both of those. It, I mean, if you if we all agree that Betts isn't coming back at least after next year, assuming he's not traded before then, and then you get rid of Benintendi, Bradley's actually a free agent. We don't have any outfielders in the system. You, you I mean you might be able to convert Chavis, but I think you just put yourself in a terrible spot. You know, getting rid of Benintendi, and I think you could you know get a decent package for him, but. It's not guaranteed. I mean, you're hoping that you're getting somebody at least as good as Benintendi in that deal, and you already have him anyway. I just, I mean, if we had more depth in the system, then maybe I'd be more open to it, but we don't have anybody if you make that move. Uh, you know, look to, to your JD point, uh, I'm so anti-trading JD unless he's not receptive to the conversation and we, we, we aren't going to know that, but let's say for example, they go to him and they say, look, I think I said last the podcast, you know, bump him to 27, five next year and just buy out one year, you know, give him a, whatever it is, two and a half, five million dollar bump, buy out the one year and just deal with the next buyout the next year. If he's not receptive to that, if he's giving you the Mookie Betts response, then then I put him in the Mookie Betts trade category. You, you don't lose the don't lose the asset for nothing. The way the season's going, I mean, JD is going to get you some things in in return, multiple things, multiple prospects, big league talent. Like he's that good, especially if he's to a team that's going to say we're going to turn around and pay and and pay a 35 to opt out or whatever's the crazy money that's going to keep that player in whatever city he goes. So, I mean, there's certain things I wish we knew. I mean, I guarantee you they've had the talk. And maybe it's like JD's camp's like, well, we'll, we'll figure it out. We're, we're going to be here, you know? And, and so they're just like, just okay, well, we'll figure it out. We trust the player. The player wants to be here by all accounts. He does want to be here. Um, but if he's giving you the Mookie, and you're going to lose him at the end of this year for nothing. If you don't trade him, it's reckless considering how your season's going. You know, I mean, it just is. Again, another player. You lose him for nothing. And if even if you're only trade, trading him uh, to a team that's going to have a three-month year, uh, three month rental, you know, I'd like to go back, and, and I can't recall right now what the Orioles got from Machado for the same sort of rental, but those are assets. Those are things you can either grow 
and cultivate or flip into the next thing or whatever may be the case, but they're assets. And you just sit here and wait for the player to leave. It's just, it's reckless. We're not competitive right now. We are not. The, look, the Boston Red Sox are not a top eight team. They're not. I mean, and, and teams have jumped them. Cleveland has recently jumped them in the wild card. So you're not even the first team on the outside looking in. You're the second team out on the outside looking in. It's just not good. You can't sit. You, you can't sit and just let assets go. And then JD leaves, and then we get nothing for him. And we're here next year without JD and without anything from him to help build the roster. I I would I would move him. I I just would. Uh, um. You know, but here, here's another thing. You know, I think the Red Sox do know. They have an idea of what his intentions are. You know, whether that's Alex Cora just kind of overhearing stuff. You know, I think he has a good pulse on what the players are, even though he's only the manager. When when Bogarts was having his press conference, Boris was there, and Boris jokingly told Cora, okay, okay, Alex, you can stop leaving me voicemail messages telling me I have to get this deal done. So I think through one avenue or another, they do know what what Martinez's plans are. So I think that will factor into what happens with him, you know, in the next three, three and a half weeks. One more thing I misspoke. Um the Oakland Athletics have also jumped you in the wild card standings. So you're chasing the, the Rays, Rangers, Indians, Athletics, and then you. So, I mean, it goes to, it goes to you know, if, if JD's not going to be here, Betts isn't going to be here, get assets. Those are two tremendous assets, by the way. You know, and so, I mean, I, the, the, the next six games may be the most important six games the Boston Red Sox play in quite some time because it could largely affect the next two to three years based on what happens. Here's uh, I mentioned this before. I have the exact schedule down starting July 22nd, so that's nine days before the trade deadline. And I'd also like to point out that's the only trade deadline. There's no... There's no waiver deadline uh, of August 31st when, you know, Verlander, for example, was traded to the Astros from the Tigers. And that was also the same period, late August, in which the Red Sox traded, uh, you know, Beckett, Crawford, and Gonzalez. That all took place within that window. That's not viable this year. There is only one trade deadline, and that's July 31st. You know, they can probably make free agent signings after, you know, July 31st, but that's it. Um, But starting July 22nd, nine days before that uh, trade deadline, they have three games in Tampa. Then they come home to play the Yankees for four games starting July 25th. July 30th, they play the Rays again for a you know a, a three game set at Fenway and then they leave for New York again to play the Yankees starting August 2nd. So that's 14 games straight against either the Rays or the Yankees. So 
if no hard decisions get made during the uh, you know the three days for the All Star break, there's nine. Well, actually, there's an off day. So no, actually, let's see, seven, eight, nine. And there is nine games. Uh, you know, leading up to well, actually, I should say eight because I'm assuming that middle Tampa game on July 31st will probably be after the 4 p.m. deadline. So. So it will be eight games against playoff contenders leading up to that deadline. So that that window could be could present a lot of swings as far as ideas on what to do. You know, as far as the Red Sox front office goes. Yeah, we're on the same page here. All right, and uh, <laughs> we've gone through a lot of uh, what I had on my notes. It's just, I guess before we get to the um, Toronto series here, Dave Dombrowski, like, he's going to be taking the most heat. This isn't on Cora. Alex Cora has done the best he could do with the players he was given. Uh, you know, so I don't see the the fan base really coming down on him. The pressure's on Dombrowski now, and how? I mean, how long of a leash does he have? He's in a situation now where he completely fucked the season by not addressing the bullpen, and that's been the story of his career. So, what are we dealing with? We are starting to see the fire Dombrowski hashtags. Um, look, I, it's so tough to fire a guy who just masterminded a, a, a championship season. He's been so underwhelming this year. He's been such a disappointment. The way the whole organization, top down, has been handled has been an absolute mess. And someone needs to be accountable for how bad this season has been. It ha- someone has to be held accountable. You should not be 44 and 40. And I agree with you, Terry. I, Alex Cora is doing the absolute best he can with what he's been given, which is an absolute dumpster fire in the back end of the bullpen. Um, to the point where I would almost have reticence letting him handle the trade deadline. And if they did move on from him, it wouldn't bother me. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't move the needle for me in any way. The only question I would ask is who's taking the spot, and then I would evaluate it from there. And chances are, I mean, we won't know who that is. I mean, there might not be a strong familiarity of it, but... um... You know, I mean, I wasn't overly familiar with Ben Sherrington when he was appointed. You know, he, you know, was basically the mastermind behind that farm system under Epstein. And, you know, we've all learned who Jeffrey Lunau is in the last few years. He built the Astro system. But, you know, it would just be someone, you know, as long as they had a, a strong you know, background and uh, 
you know, farm system developments, like that would probably be okay with me. And, you know, someone who's not completely reckless, you know, when it comes to spending and whatnot. You know, Charlie, you want to chime in here? I've kind of said my piece. Did we lose him again? Nope. Sorry about. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're good. Oh, there we go. My apologies. Sorry, I was muted because I was breathing heavily and I could hear hear the uh, hear the sound in the background. So I apologize. I think a lot of people are really upset with Dombrowski. Um, It's it's you know you you just mentioned Charrington too. Like I was so happy when he was gone, and I'll I'll be the first one to admit when Dave Dombrowski's name popped up, I was like all on board. But he has a reputation for trading away prospects and also being in love with players that he already had on his team. He brought, you know, Rick Porcello over here. He got a mega contract before, not mega, but contract extension before he even threw one pitch in Boston. And now, you know, Green, another pitcher who he's played with in the past. You know, it's just too much. I think too much damage has already been done. Like, yes, I think the only thing keeping Dave here past 2019 is the fact that 2018 he got it done to be completely honest because if he came that close and he doesn't get it done you see what's what's happening right now where you know 11 games out he's done he's gone they have they have no choice he's out and would you stack core on it (laughs) that's tough too i don't know that's a strong no for me on the porcello thing though um i don't think the porcello contract was anything but an overwhelming positive at the end of the day, I mean, it looked it, the optics at the time the contract was signed. I get it. You know, he had he was basically getting paid for what he did in Detroit. But then he came here, won a Cy Young, was a big part of the World Series team with the Rover. And has he underwhelmed a little bit at times? Yes. But I don't know that, you know, and Charlie, maybe I'll give you a chance to respond here. Um, for me personally, I think that was a good contract. Do you, do you not think as we sit here today that it was a good contract? I'm I'm very so-so on him. I've been so-so on him for a little while. I think uh, in the past, you and I had discussion about, okay, who would you rather have, Porcello or Erod? And I I went Erod over Porcello because Porcello, to me, had too much of the, and I can't take away the, that he was a huge part of the World Series team. I cannot take away the fact that he had a Cy Young, but he has the Josh Beckett syndrome. He's got one year of goodness followed by one year of who's on the mound, followed by a, a year where he figures it out, followed by what is going on so it's just too much it's not consistent with him it's it's josh beckett all over you remember josh beckett i mean he has you know 16 17 wins 15 wins whatever 197 strikeouts falling year 10 and 15 160 strikeouts year after that 17 wins and then 195 strikeouts against you what's going on what 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 is happening i just i i also think that because a player like porcello got 20 million a year it's like a lot of these other players are like holy crap this guy lost 17 18 games this year that means i can get at least 15 million now so i mean i think contracts giving a contract to someone who hasn't even thrown a pitch for your team paying someone based on past performance is so it's so weak in baseball and that's something that's just got to change because you have people that are going to be getting these ridiculous contracts with absolutely no incentive to, to try to perform at all. Porcello got paid $80 million to play in Boston, and this is it. 
He's not going to get another big contract like that from the Red Sox. It's not happening. If anybody thinks that Rick Porcel is going to get another four-year, $80 million deal, they're out of their damn minds. Well, he's not because they spent it on Evaldi. So I don't, I don't think anyone. Which is another bust. I would have taken Porcel. I, I I hated the contract at the time, but, you know, he's won me over. You know, after last season, you could – I think you have to say that that was a good contract. Um, the one thing that I saw Christopher Smith point out uh, from Mass Live is if the Red Sox were to hang on, basically, and, and contend, and if they want to keep Porcello – Probably the smartest avenue they could take is to simply give him the qualifying offer, which will be roughly 19 or $20 million, uh, next year. It goes up every year by anywhere from a half a million to a full million. And uh, it was 18-something, you know, after last season. But if they give him that offer, he basically would make just about what he's making this year, which is $20 million. And he would probably have to sign it because if anybody else were to sign him, they would have to give the Red Sox a draft pick, a first-round draft pick. And we saw what happened with Keiko and Kimbrell, who were both thought to be highly serviceable guys. And and Kimbrell, they're both back and have been okay. And I just don't – I think Porcello would take the deal – rather than the uncertainty of what would happen. And I don't think he's a good enough player that somebody will give up that draft pick. So the qualifying offer makes perfect sense. It's an extremely short-term commitment, and I think he would take it. I I think he likes being in Boston enough that he would take that on a one-year deal. Uh, I think he would, too. But that's kind of like going back to the, you know, we obviously don't want to get married to Porcello again, but we'll take him out on a date. But I think if he has another better offer on the table, he, he might take it. He might take less money over two years just because it's guaranteed, just because he'd think that taking a qualifying offer after everything he was able to accomplish, that being a Cy Young Award, a he, World Series champion, or being a contributor to the World Series champion team, uh, championship team, he, he might think that a qualifying offer is a slap in the face, which is why... Craig Kimbrell, in his mind, he thought he was getting a slap in the face. He thought he was worth more than, I think at the time it was, what, like 17, 17.8? I, I'm still, qualifying offers, what, it's like the average salary of like the top 100 players or something like that? Yeah. I think it was like 17.8. I don't, I don't know the exact metric. It it's was 18.9, like but here's the problem, Charlie. Free agency sure. doesn't begin until after the 10-day period for the qualifying offer ends. So... He would have to make his mind up. He he won't really be able to field offers until he declines the qualifying offer. I guess maybe there could be in the NBA they call it legal tampering. So maybe maybe the uh, agent for him could kind of take people's temperatures on it. But but he wouldn't be able to you know sign a deal before that ten days is up and. You know, I, I think he would just. I think he would take it if they offered it to him. And, he's, and he might. He's hundred percent. He's still going to be young. I think he's still going to be young. What happened after. with Keiko and I think what happened with Keiko and Kimbrel are going to uh, change the way people handle those qualifying offers. 
Um, you know, and obviously the Cubs and Braves swooped in, but you still lost half a year. Um, you know, that's a tough situation. I mean, obviously at the Major League Baseball, the, the, the franchises spoke pretty loudly. We're not willing to give away a draft pick for these players. And the entire league was willing to wait until the deadline passed. So uh, to me, one, if they do do uh, one, I think they will offer the qualifying offer Two, I think Porcello will accept it. And then three, I don't necessarily mean that doesn't mean that they won't move him. Uh, to a team that's willing to sign him out from underneath the qualifying offer to avoid it, you know, in, in a trade situation. So, I, but um, I think that's an interesting dynamic, and I think it also means that there's a chance he's back here next year um, as if, a result. If we don't trade him, though, that's the key because he can't get a qualifying. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Let me just make one more point because you you kind of got heavy on the Porcello. Um, with the GMs thing, and you know, maybe this isn't relevant right now because I don't think Dave Dombrowski is going to get fired this year. It could absolutely happen next year. Sherrington was fired a season and a half after winning the 2013 World Series. But I just want to point out that under Sherrington, he did not deal prospects. He was a prospect hugger and was on the extreme end of that spectrum. He also had the weight of ownership on his shoulders with the uh, Hanley signing and the Panda signing, which I don't, to this day, we don't know how much influence Sherrington had. I've, I've always felt that it, it was Lucchino you know, basically, you know, making a lot of those moves, a lot of the big spending things. But, Charlie, when you said you welcomed Dave Dombrowski in with open arms, so did I, you know, because I would have been willing to make some trades. I, You know, I thought Sherrington should have, and in the end it was his downfall by not getting someone like Cole Hamels. And I thought, well, okay, Dombrowski's going to come in here and he's going to, He's going to make some trades. And the rhetoric over whether the Red Sox would spend money on pitchers around the age of 30, that completely changed because they were vehemently against that under Sherrington. And again, that might have been ownership, you know, kind of forcing that on Sherrington. John Henry made the quote, we have five aces on this team right now, you know, Buckholtz and you know, all the guys that they had. And, you know, it was a dumb quote. But, you know, the rhetoric changed under Dombrowski. We ended up getting Price. Out of everyone in that class, that ended up being the right move because Grinky, you know, has been up and down, issues with big markets, had some injuries in there. Johnny Cueto was in that class. He's had a, a ton of health issues. I don't even know if he's playing right now. Uh, I haven't paid any attention. Yeah, I haven't watched the Giants at all. Uh, Jordan Zimmerman, you know, I thought he might be the bargain guy in that class, but he's had injury and performance issues. So Price was the guy to get, you know, in hindsight. You know, he he was the only one who kind of really, you know, performed. and, And, you know, so that was the difference. But... Unfortunately, Dombrowski was on the other end of the spectrum where he was willing to trade everyone. And before the 2017 trade deadline, when we got Nunez, there was a report out 
to where Red Sox told him he was not allowed to trade Devers. He wasn't allowed to trade any top prospect that season. And they they made it clear that they needed to get under the luxury tax threshold by the start of the next season to reset the penalties. That was a huge priority that year. They haven't said whether they're going to make that a priority this year or if it might be, you know, after the the following season. So, you know, we're kind of in the dark as far as that goes. If if they do sell at a minimum, you know, Mookie, J.D., Porcello, then we would end up being way under it. And, you know, it becomes kind of a moot point. But, but you know, so basically to wrap it up, I mean, two different GMs, two different sets of circumstances, and... I think the pressure will be on Dave Dombrowski next season. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna have the luxury of firing Alex Cora and putting the blame on him and then rehiring another manager. He already used up that card, you know, when he got rid of Farrell for Cora. And I think Cora has overwhelming I mean, he pisses me off at least once or twice a week, but I, at the end of the day I, I still have faith that you know, if he had a you know a balanced roster, he could lead the team to another championship. So, I I, I agree. I uh, I also think that the players respect Cora a lot more um, than past leadership that they have in there. Um, I think that uh, a shifting of the tide and all the kind of you know madness surrounding Mookie Betts has really gone to the heads of some of the players, which I don't blame them because they're like, all right, cool. Well, who's our leader? And I think what's great about this is this is going to be the year where I think Xander Bogart steps up and he becomes the clear cut one man. And it's not going to be Betts. And I think that is going to be what ends up sending the message of shoot. I should have signed a long-term deal. Uh, And I wonder too, had Betts agreed to that long-term deal maybe even last year, do you think Xander goes home with what he's coming home with? Because I no. don't. No, and they tried to trade Xander in the uh, the winter meetings. They, they, they said he was on the trade block, so was Bradley, so was Porcello, and the idea behind it was if they could trade one of the three of them, that would free up enough uh, payroll to pursue a reliever. But nothing materialized. We didn't get a reliever. We kept all of them. And then the Mookie Betts deal didn't materialize. So the Red Sox pivoted and said, all right, well, let's at least sign Bogarts. He wants to stay here. It's a relatively affordable deal. And that's why we have him. And give me two Xander Bogarts over one Mookie Betts all day, any day. You know, and, and you know, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, any thoughts, Jeremy, yeah. before we get to Toronto? No, I'm ready to talk about Toronto. Okay, so it's a three-game <laughs> set. He was ready before it started. <laughs> well, I mean, these shows, you know, for you know, if we truly put ourselves in a spot where we we're not competitive, you know, it's it's a much different tone than what we've uh, had up until now. So. But anyway, three games set against the Blue Jays. Uh, David Price, uh, game one against Trent Thornton. We did just see Thornton in uh, the last series. That was the one game we did win. 
Uh, despite the fact that we won, Thornton was pretty solid. Uh, you know, went six and a third, gave up eight hits, only two earned runs, struck out seven. So, you know, if he matches that performance and this is a jet-lagged team coming back from London, I could see this game being an issue. Yeah, I could see the whole series being an issue. Um, you're going to lose Thursday. Stroman's going to shove it up your ass. So, I mean, you got you got to win. They, I mean, look, as bad as London went, David Price Tuesday, Chris Sale Wednesday against Trent Thornton, who's a 4.6, and then Sean Reed Foley, who's a 4.82 and. I think he's only had like one start, so it's a small sample size. But you really got to win these games. Um, I say it with no enthusiasm whatsoever because I fully expect this series to be a goddamn dumpster fire. And I'm still talking about the London series on Wednesday or Thursday night. But you got to I mean you got to wait if you're gonna if you're gonna be something. If you're gonna if, if what we just talked about, which is are you a buyer or are you a seller? If you if 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 you're going to be a buyer, you got to win Tuesday and Wednesday with your two top guys going against two you know, journeymen. With Chris Sale, um, you know, been struggling as of late. You know, the last two starts in a row, three starts ago, ha- had issues kind of, you know, in the sixth inning against the Orioles. Um, you know, we need to see a guy who is – fluid throughout the entire game and he had a couple of bad innings in his uh, last outing and um, I already forget who that is my notes aren't up um, but you know he he had a bad let's see I think it was a bad first inning and a bad third inning and then innings two four and five he was able to kind of you know pitch effectively so I guess what I'm saying here is, which Chris Sale are we going to get? Are we going to get the guy who's struggling, laboring, or has he finally kind of figured it out where he ended his last start with a couple of decent innings and, and uh, you know, can, can kind of keep this Toronto team in check? Charlie, so, jump in. Yeah, there. I mean, yeah, man. Uh, so uh, I actually think that this is going to be one of those situations after we, after we, you know, spoke as highly as we did about the Red Sox. Uh, I, I'm actually, you know, just like Schilling, I'm an optimist. He was a little different kind of an optimist. I don't think the Blue Jays are going to win one game. The Red Sox <laughs> are going to take all three because I'm not going to bet against Price. I will not do it against Sale. And I really think that Stroman, he's what? He's 2-0 this year against the Sox. He didn't allow a run when he came to Fenway. He allowed one in Toronto. But I, I just I can't think of anything better than seeing like one or two guys just pimp a home run on him in the third game and have him you know, exit quietly in the fourth inning or something like that. And I think after this series, everyone's going to go, what happened? Did the Red Sox get angry? And I think we're going to win minimum two out of three. But I'd love to say I'm like 85%. Three out of three. Actually, hell, I'm chips all in. Three out of three. We're going all in a moment right here. Charlie, <laughs> we can talk uh, We can talk privately, okay? But 
if you want to bet, <laughs> and Terry knows I'm a gambler, if you want to bet on the Blue Jays sweeping the Red Sox, I'll give you two to one odds uh, at any amount you want to bet. They're going to win one game with David Price and Sale going. They're going to lose Thursday. But I think the worst you see here is one. Um, um, I just, they're going to lose Thursday. And I think they wind up splitting the David Price sales start just because that's the way the season's gone. And I do think you're you're looking best case scenario two out of three. I think it's very likely they they go one and three in this series. And like I said, if you want to bet on a sweep, I will give you two to one odds at any amount you want. Message me privately, and uh, <laughs> you know, and I'll PayPal you. If I lose, I'll I'll PayPal you by the time the the game ends on Thursday night. Uh, I, I, you just, you, you mean to tell me that you wouldn't be excited if the Red Sox won all three? Is that what you're saying to me? No, I'd be very excited. I'm a realistic guy, though, Charlie. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck, it ain't happening, bud. This not team's Chuck. not coming into Toronto. This team's not coming into Toronto and it's sweet. Come on. I mean, come on. Uh, I'll give you two to one odds. You let me know if you're interested privately in a message. And if so, let me know the amount and we're good. But I think you're just, it's a pipe dream. Look, the travel's going to be a problem. One, this team is overwhelm, uh, or underwhelming. Two, uh, sale, they don't win on the day sales, sale pitches. Three, and four, Stroman just shoves up the Red Sox ass in the last three years. So, I mean, there's just, I, it, it, there's just too many things uh, that are trending in the wrong direction for this, you know, this this program so anyways let's see what terry has to say about it uh, well i this as you'll say is awkward but I, i'm kind of in jeremy's camp here I, I think it's a one out of three situation david price it's in toronto david price has phenomenal numbers in toronto so there's that um i don't know what we're getting out of chris sale um you know that reed foley guy it, it is his second start so I, I don't really know what to expect. And then Stroman is going up against a TBA starter. So I'd love for that to be Porcello. Like it kind of makes sense because he only went one third of an inning. So that's a side session. If this is, if this is a must win situation, uh, you know, if the Red Sox are still in the mindset that we're going to be buyers, that might be a good a good spot to just pitch Porcello instead of winging it with I don't know who because Brian Johnson's on the DL now. Um, so, but realistically, I mean, I, I don't think we win that game, and it's too bad because I'd love to. You know, I'm tired of uh, Strowman's antics, and the Red Sox have seen him enough that maybe this could be the game. You know, some adjustments get made, but. Who really knows, you know, everybody's kind of deflated and, you know, there's a bit of a media circus. They are the only game in town. I know the Celtics have some Kemba Walker, you know, talk going on. Apparently he's going to sell. So that's been in the news, um, you know, but we're the only team playing right now and there's really no other distractions, you know, to to keep the media from scrutinizing this team. So I just think it's going to be a circus. And I, 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 two out of three is the best case, but I think it'll be one out of three as well. 
So I, I want to like go over. So we talked about David Price. David Price already owns Toronto. I mean, he's already got experience playing for Toronto. Um, David Price beat. He already beat them this year. David uh, Price already won. I don't think Chris Sale has won against Toronto this year, so he's due. So there's my two right there. And then TBA against Stroman. Stroman's not going to go three zero against the Red Sox. He's going <laughs> to get blown. He's. It, it's just going to happen. It, it's happening. I, I, what What's your favorite kind of beer, Shell? I just got to know. You know, what kind of beer you you are going to have to imagine me buying you when you lose this one? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cash guy. You know, generally speaking. So we'll we'll message privately. I'll give you two to one odds, so that I think that that makes things a little more fair, and you can pick the you can pick the amount. Okay. <laughs> He'll pay up. He really will. So, um, all right. So I guess we'll just leave it at that. You know, tumultuous weekend. You know, it, who knows? I, I mean. I, this is the time of year where I'm glued to my media feeds on Twitter to see what's being reported. And for everyone that listens to the podcast, I'll give you a hint. You know, if you're looking for trade speculation or whatever, don't look at the local guys. Look at the national guys because they're the ones with the sources. The Red Sox beat writers, sometimes they're just not allowed to. The team puts pressure on them to not report certain things. So that's not the place to go when you're looking for, um, you know, that type of speculation. But... Things are about to get crazy and emotional and whatnot and could have some turbulent episodes in the next few weeks. No, I'm excited. Fuck you, Red Sox. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, tweeting out something else that gets 13,000 views. That was, uh, do you remember that tweet I had about Manny? <laughs> that thing got yeah. so much love. Let me tell you. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, Shill, you weren't there for that one, but um, my goodness, I'm, I'm, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting. This is going to be like riding a roller coaster blindfolded for the rest of the year because we, we've already hit the, the fifty yard, you know, the fifty yard line here for, for the halfway point. You know, eighty four games in, are we going to win hundred games? No. Are we going to win ninety games? Maybe, and that's a real hard maybe because I, I don't know if we're going to have that kind of. Uh, ability right now the way that the way that we're playing um we're not going to catch new york 11 games is just not happening um it's going to be interesting it's going to be a wild ride to the finish that's for sure i hate this team fuck you red sox i hate this team you're ruining my fun i have i just it's so disappointing and they're just so talented which makes it so difficult to handle um you know and meanwhile all the other teams you know uh, the Celtics, you can say what you want. They signed a good player today. The Bruins will be back. The Patriots are the favorite. Um, and so this team is just underwhelming in a city that's not used to handling it, and I'm not used to handling it. And uh, They're probably the most talented of the four teams in Boston, and they are underwhelming to a tremendous level. So we'll see. Um, Charlie, message me privately if you want to make things interesting. Oh, of course not. Good night. You know me. Good night, Sox Nation. Good night, y'all. Have a good night, guys. Episode 147. Kind of, uh, 
It was an interesting episode. One of the more interesting ones I've had in uh, quite some time. Um, the three of us kind of, you know, kind of have a little bit different um, takes on where we are. But I think within the next two, three series, I, I think the picture does get a lot more clearer uh, as to what the direction definitely should be. And it just depends on, um, you know, whether the Red Sox will actually take that direction. So three games set against Toronto uh, starting uh, Tuesday. So next show will actually be the 4th of July. I'll have to talk to them about that. Uh, who knows if we'll keep the schedule the way it is or whatnot. But uh, if you're not on vacation this week, have a good uh, start to your week. And we'll uh, see you at some point uh, in the middle of the week anyway. And uh, then Detroit, uh, you know, that happens in Detroit. So the Red Sox aren't even home until uh, after the All-Star break. But have a good start to your week, as I just said, and take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing at a line drive, left field, Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did it! He got it! Here we go. Time to party. Right here. 3-2. High and high! And crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, Frank Lee, it's over! The Red Sox have won the world! championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your